Hey, NC Everything listeners. Today, I got a really special episode for you. Recently, I had the pleasure of meeting a really cool guy from a really cool town with a really cool story. So sit back and enjoy episode 56, my interview with Ryan from Silva. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about Ryan. Ryan emailed me uh, a while back, um, a few weeks ago, and he didn't have a suggestion. He just wanted to tell me I was doing a good job on the show and, and keep up the good work. And uh, and I really, uh, I really like the compliment. Uh, it, stuff like that really builds me up, I guess. Um, but in that initial email, he said he was from the town of Silva. Now, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know uh, I absolutely love that town. It's one of my most favorite towns in western North Carolina. Um, I'm not going to go into why right now, but it's a special place for me. And so I responded to his email and told him how much I love Silva. And I told him how uh, proud I was that they filmed the movie Three Billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri in Silva. Now, um, not everybody has seen that movie, and, and that movie surely isn't for everybody. It's... Uh, kind of a dark comedy, but they did film it in uh right right in downtown Silva, and I've seen the movie and I love the movie. Anyway, I told him I was proud of that fact, you know, and he uh, responded to that email with uh, a teaser for a really good story. I'm not, I'm not going to give it away just yet, but uh, but I told him I would love to sit down with him for an interview, and and that's what I did, um, in a sense, um. I did my very first Zoom interview. So I've only done two interviews so far, uh, Ryan being my second. The first one was face-to-face, and it was really cool. Um, the second one was was a Zoom interview, and it was cool, but it was a little frustrating. Um, you'll, you'll hear and, and you'll hear what I'm talking about when we get started. Um, but that's enough of that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and insert the interview into the audio here, and it's going to start pretty abruptly uh, i cut out some of the some of the can you hear me's at the beginning so i hope you enjoy the interview well i guess uh you ready to get started yeah let's do it all right well this is ryan from silva ryan welcome to the show thank you now ryan emailed me and <clears throat> and he just wanted to give me a compliment about the show but i found out uh he had a kind of an interesting story and so that's why we're we're talking today but uh, I want to start with, uh, you said you were born in Hamptonville, and you said you lived yeah. in Char- Charlotte and Greensboro, but Silva is a, a, a small town compared to Charlotte and Greensboro, and I'm kind of wondering how you ended up in Silva. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I, I took a job over in Asheville, and I, then I met my wife, who lives over in Silva, and I thought um, Silva was a great place, so I... Um, I, I decided to relocate over to Silva and she didn't have to twist my arm at all. So <laughs> that's, that's I, how I come over. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, uh, my brother-in-law was going to Western. I never heard of Silva, never been to that part of North Carolina and, and something about yeah. it. I, I fell in love immediately. Um, everybody talks about Asheville, but I, I like the small towns and Silva Silva suits me right down to the ground. So. Right. Yeah. One of the major newspapers, I can't remember, I want to say maybe it was the Washington Post. They did a story on on Silva and they called it 
um, I'm paraphrasing here, but they called it something like um, Asheville for folks who don't like the crowds or something like that. So, <laughs> so that yeah. gave us a bit of a <laughs> Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah. you told me you went to college for history. And since I do kind of a history podcast, I want to know what made yeah. you decide to go for history? Oh, I've just always been very interested in, in history. Um, I, I don't regret majoring in history, although the job prospects when you get out of college with a degree in history aren't that great. I spent um, four years um, studying something I really enjoy, so so I don't regret it. And yeah. just because I have a history degree, it doesn't mean I, I know everything or any more than anybody else. I've, I've learned a lot from from your podcast, little pieces of history that I um, I didn't know. So, Well, that's good. That's, but, yeah. that's, that's what I'm aiming for, so. Uh, let's see. So you said you work in government. You mind if I asked you what exactly you do in civil? No, not at all. I, I work in elections. I, I help administer elections. Okay. That sounds like it could be interesting. It is. It's very interesting and, um, rewarding work. All right. Well, I'm going to get to the, the core of, uh, why I wanted to do this interview. Uh, some of my listeners may not know right. that there's a movie called three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and it was filmed in Silva. And, uh, I had commented to you that I was really proud that that was filmed in Silva and you had said that you were in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And, well, I wasn't uh, actually, um, I, I wouldn't really say I was in the movie, but I was, um, I was an extra in the movie and, um, and, and then, uh, I worked actually worked as a stand in for, for that movie. So, well, th that counts for me. That's, uh, that's pretty close. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I think, the, I think the front grill of my car. The front grill of my car was about the only thing that made it in the movie, but, um, but, but, but so I, I was an extra on the movie and I was involved in that scene where there was a scene in the movie where Sam Rockwell's character walks outside of the police station. And, and if you haven't seen the movie, the movie's about, um, it, it's about a mother, one of her kids is killed and, and the, she's trying to really get the, the police department's attention. And the, the only way she can think of to get their, the attention of the police department is to um, to put up these three billboards that are really critical of the police department. So, so the police department, they're not too happy about these billboards. So the scene that I was involved in was the scene where Sam Rockwell's character um, throws the guy through the window. He actually throws the advertising guy who's in charge of renting out the billboards he throws him through a window on on main street in silva and um my job well i was there to kind of drive up on the scene and so so i basically just hung out in my car and they gave me a little walkie-talkie and they would tell me when to drive forward out here the director tell tell us when to drive forward and you know, I was just sitting in my car and Sam Rockwell, he actually walked right by my car and he was trying to get in character. You know, he was kind of walking around with the strut, kind of like the, the Vince McMahon strut and <laughs> um, just acting kind of belligerent. And he was standing next to my car, kind of mumbling under his breath, just like a like a really, really pissed off, angry person. And then he um, he walked onto the set. But the scene is where Sam Rockwell's character, he walks out of the police department to the advertising agency, which, which is right across the street. And that advertising agency, it was actually 
in a building called the C.J. Harris Building in Silva. I believe that's that's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, building in downtown Silva. It was built around 1900, and it was a supply store. And it was um, in operation until like 1999, so almost a century of, you know, it was open for almost a century. But anyway, um, Sam Rockwell walks across the street, or his character walks across the street, busts out the front door of um, of the of the CJ Harris building, which is, which is the advertising um, place where he rents the billboards from. And then Sam Rockwell walks upstairs and um, busts out the window upstairs and throws this guy through it. And that whole scene, it was um, what they would do is they would, they had a flatbed truck and it was full of cardboard boxes on the, in the back and they would pull it up between every take and the guy would get tossed out the window and land on the cardboard boxes. And um, then as soon as he would land on the cardboard boxes, they would um, he would get off of them and they would put new boxes on the truck. They would um, vacuum up all the glass and um, put new glass in and do the scene over again. And they did this like all day. This was like an all day affair, just shooting, <clears throat> shooting the scene over and over again, trying to get the best possible take. Wow. <laughs> Well, my next question is, how did you come to be an extra in that movie? I'm not sure how that process works. Oh, it's easy. Yeah, it's it, it's easy. You just send a send an email to the to the casting agency saying you're available for that day, and and you know they'll they'll take you. You know, it, it, there's nothing special about me. I don't have any acting experience. Um, I just thought it would be um, really really great to be um, to be part of this uh, major motion picture um, going on like five minutes from where I live. So yeah. so it was pretty amazing to wake up in the in the morning and drive a couple minutes down the road and be part of this, um, this major, major film that, um, won some, won some really big awards and it's destined to be a classic. Oh yeah. And it, I've seen the movie and it's a, a fantastic movie. Um, and it, you know, you may not have appeared in the movie, but it made for a good story. Yeah. Um, yeah. An interesting. Um, interesting footnote in front of me was um you know we were all in our cars and we kind of drove up as this guy was being tossed out the window but in front of me was i believe the mayor of silva and her husband they were in the car in front of me and i believe that um that her husband got on got on film for like a split (laughs) second you know like like very short and yeah and that was really cool but now and, and then um, a, a little bit later, I, I got an email for them to from them. They wanted me to come in and work as a as a stand-in for one of the actors. All right, I want to just cut in here for just a minute. This isn't part of the interview. This is an addition I put in here. Um, you hear how it kind of got choppy there? Well, there were some technical difficulties, and so I had to grab my equipment real quick and unplug it from my computer and run and plug it into the laptop. Because where I live at, we struggle with Wi-Fi. And now I'm not going to say who my Wi-Fi company is, but imagine the the worst Wi-Fi you've ever heard of in North Carolina, and that's either them or um, the ones I'm talking about are a little worse than them. And yes, I live in the country, so I understand that Wi-Fi can be kind of dodgy in the country, 
But this uh this Wi-Fi company, this service provider, they're charging us the same price as everybody else, and the charges don't stop during the times that we don't have Wi-Fi. So we're essentially getting robbed, but it's the only internet provider out here, so they kind of have us by the balls. Anyway, I grab the laptop and go to a different place on the property, plug everything back in, and now the interview continues. Uh, hold on. Let, let me get this microphone under control. Here, I don't have it on my boom stand now. Um, before we we lost connection there, you were telling me about being a stand-in, so we can start from there if you want. Oh yeah, um, just real quick. Um, the casting folks they uh, they emailed me at like ten thirty one night. They wanted me to be a stand-in the next day, and I told them sure. And for the folks who are listening who don't know what a stand-in actor is, it's just it's just someone who stands in place of like the real main actors while the crew adjusts the lighting and the and the camera and the sound and everything like that. So the 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 real main actors, so they 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 don't have to you know waste their time doing that. They can take a break or rehearse their lines or something like that. And they actually gave me a script, like a copy of the script, not the entire script, but just for the scenes that we were filming. And I really wish I hadn't have lost that because I have a feeling it might be worth a little, a little something today since the movie was so successful. But anyway, I was just a, a stand in with two other, two other folks. And we were just following around the director and Francis McDormand that day. And <clears throat> we just watched them shoot the scene where Francis's character is dropping off a kid at school and they throw a Coke can through the window and, and Francis gets out and confronts the kids and nobody won't admit to it. And she, she roughs up the kids a little bit. So we were, we were there for that scene. And then later we had, um, we were involved in the scene where um, Francis is getting some dental work done. Um, it actually took place over at um, Dr. McGuire's dentistry office over in Silva. And it's the scene where um, Frances McDormand um, is getting some dental work done. And she, and the, <laughs> it's actually a pretty funny scene because um, it turns out the dentist, he is, um, he's kind of like on the side of the cops. The dentist is very corrupt. And as soon as Francis's character sits, lays down in the chair, you know, the dentist doesn't even look in her mouth. He's like, Oh, that tooth has got to come out. And he doesn't mention anything about numbing her or anything. He's just, he just grabs the drill and he's like, let's get to work and get this thing, get this tooth out. <laughs> and um, so, so Francis kind of turns the table on him in the scene, grabs the drill and like drills through his actual thumb. It's kind of a gory scene. Uh, but, I was kind of a, a stand-in, kind of kind of waiting in the waiting room of the dentist's office, and just in case they needed me to stand in while they did any testing. And and it's kind of a funny scene. I, I remember when they filmed that scene, it went very smoothly. Like like it was like one of the first takes. They were like happy with ninety-five percent of the scene. But if you'll notice, like when Francis um, exits the room, she she tells him, you know, pass along what I did you to your buddies or whatever. And she like flips the cup and they spent so much time, you know, making sure that she flipped that cup correctly and perfectly as she exited the scene, just to kind of make, make that um, exclamation mark. And 
and and, and that was one of the more um, memorable parts. Just just all the all the work they did on that that small that small section that just took a, took a few seconds, and that um, that pretty much concluded all of my um, <clears throat> my work on that movie. It, it was a neat experience, you know. It beat um, it beat actually going to work for the day. Um, they actually did pay you a little bit for your time, and and, and it was just just really neat. <clears throat> Well, I'm a huge movie buff, so just uh, the experience of being around the set and stuff would, would for me would be payment enough, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, and they, and they feed you really well too. <laughs> well, now you mentioned following uh, Francis McDormand around and the director um, for the day. How was that? Yeah, experience. Oh, it was really awesome. You know, um, just follow following them around one thing i always remember about that movie is the set was very strict like as soon as we got there that morning they're like okay we know these are some big time actors but you are not to speak to them you are not to make eye contact with them communicate with them in any way so so they were it was a very structured set and um and I, I thought it was kind of strict back then, but but just um, just thinking about how much money was involved in that in making that um, that movie, and it, you know they needed that kind of structure, and it probably wouldn't have been the success it it, it was if if they hadn't have been so serious about it. So, but 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 one example of that structure um, that that I remember is um, Francis. Um, we, we were helping them film a scene, and then we all kind of went over to the to the snack table. And um, um, Francis McDormand's character kind of kind of sit down in a chair and took her coat off and put it on the back of the chair. And there were two other stand-ins with me, and these folks had driven for hours. You, you know, they I, I think they were they were what you'd call aspiring actors. You know, they they were really looking to break into the biz. Yeah. And so we all got up and started. Um, we were going to get in a van, and they were going to take us to another area to film a scene. And I noticed that um, Frances McDormand, she left her coat on the back of the chair. And I said to the other stand-ins, I was like, hey, um, she left her coat. You know, we, we, you know, we should grab it for her and, um, and take it to her. And they were like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not touching that. But that just gives you that just gives you an example of, you know, how standoffish we had to be with the main actors, you know, that they didn't want us any communication, not even taking a jacket that they had forgotten to them. So, mm. And, <laughs> and and I had been on sets before where um, where they really weren't that strict, but it was for movies that you know wasn't really going to be that good. If that makes makes any sense, so yeah. Well, they also uh, one more movie I want to talk about. They filmed part of Deliverance in Silva. And you had said yeah. you had a story about that, and I definitely want to hear that. Right on. Yeah, I've got um, two stories about that. <clears throat> now, the first story I kind of hesitate telling you about a little bit. Uh, a, a lot of the folks that lived here back in the back in the seventies, they told me a story about how um, um, a, a couple of um, a couple of scenes were were filmed in the Silva area for um, for Deliverance, and a couple of folks had told me a story about how Burt Reynolds. Um, ate at one of the local restaurants, um, actually the restaurant where O'Malley's is located in Silva today, and how he um, he went on a talk show, um, I think it was Johnny Carson, and actually um, talked about how it was really bad food. 
Um, and, and I kind of, after I told you about that and you was going to be on the pod, I kind of wanted to fact check it a little bit. I pu- actually pulled up a Johnny Carson episode from 1972 online and I didn't hear any, any, in any talk of that. He didn't mention any restaurants. So in Silva. So I think there's probably a kernel of truth in that, but, um, but I don't, I'm not sure how accurate that is. Yeah. And, and the second, um, the second I, I story. Just, I want to make make it clear on the on the record that uh you didn't you weren't able to verify that story. So yeah, wasn't able to verify that. I've heard it from a lot of people, um, but you know when I heard it heard we were going to be talking about it here, I wanted to fact check it. And you know, like like so many stories like that, there's probably a little bit of truth to it, but but it probably didn't really go as I as I heard it. So. Yeah. And um, also the the second um, story, and and this is um, pretty, I guess, pretty factual. There was a, a newspaper from Tennessee who actually did a story on this. If you if you um, recall from that movie, there was a, a young um, young kid, um, and he does the dueling banjos with another character in that movie. Yeah. Um, the the kid was a local to the northern Georgia area. And and he actually went on to um, to work at the Walmart in Clayton, Georgia. And if you just um, do a search on online about that, that then you can see picture people um, stopping in and getting their pictures taken with them and and hmm. stuff like that. So so I'm I'm pretty sure that that was true. Well, Ryan, that's uh that's really interesting. But that's all I really have as far as questions go. Um, sure. I know it was a short interview, but I, I definitely wanted to get your story out here. And um, I'm jealous you're, you you get to stay in Silva, and I'm I'm down here in the Piedmont. Yeah. I, I love it down <laughs> here, but uh, I sure would like to be up there, especially this time of year. And, oh yeah, yeah, it's beautiful this time of year, and um, yeah, yeah, Silva's got about everything I need: good, good hiking, um, a couple of breweries, um, some good coffee shops. And that's really about all I need. So I'm oh. happy. <laughs> well. You have a good day, and uh, thank you for, for writing in, and thank you for doing the interview. All right. No problem, Curtis. Enjoy the podcast. Keep it up. And that was my interview with Ryan from Silva. Now, it, it kind of screwed up my groove when I had to switch from my, my desktop to my laptop in the middle of it, but there was something else I wanted to mention during the interview, but I don't I don't mind mentioning it on the podcast, and that, that has to do with that movie Deliverance that we were talking about. If you look up the filming locations for Deliverance, it's all over Georgia, but there's a, a few spots in North Carolina, and it was only until recently that I found out uh, exactly where in North Carolina. The beginning of the movie, they, they go through kind of, I guess what they call the the abandoned village, or it's kind of a rundown village. Well, at that time, that, that village that, that they drive through was located in, in Silva, North Carolina. And the other thing I wanted to say, um, there was, there's two hillbillies, what they call hillbillies in the movie. And they're the, the bad guys of the movie. And they're the ones trying to kill Burt Reynolds and his friends. Um, I had read a long time ago that, that one of those hillbillies is a North Carolina native and that he met Burt Reynolds or he used to work at, um, the ghost town in the sky. Um, and that's a theme park that I covered in one of my previous episodes, but anyway, I read uh, probably the most factual version of that story recently. And just the way it goes, Burt Reynolds was on the the show Gunsmoke for a little while. 
and uh, one of the hillbillies, I, I can't rem- remember which one, but he was working at uh, Ghost Town in the Sky. And so Burt Reynolds made a guest appearance uh, up there because they had uh, these fake uh, shootouts in the street. And so Burt Reynolds uh, was invited to come be in the, the shootout scene up there at Ghost Town, and that's where he met this guy. And eventually, when uh, when they were making this movie, Burt Reynolds got, uh, got up with him and because they they had one hillbilly in the movie and they decided they needed two. And, and, uh, and so they got up with this guy and hired him for the movie. But I do want to say I, I read that off the internet um, a few different places. I'm sure I don't have it exactly right. But anyway, that that's all I, I have to say about Deliverance. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I, I sure enjoyed hearing about it. Uh, I'm a, a huge movie buff, if you don't know that by now. And so it was really, really cool for me to talk to somebody who had uh, more or less been involved with the movie. As you heard him say, it was the bumper of his car that was actually in the movie, but um hearing hearing his story was really really cool to me um that's the kind of stuff i like to hear now if you notice there's a a a different theme song at the beginning i set it up a little different um i had mentioned on the on the social media that i was going to be making some changes and that theme song was one of them well another change that I'm, i'm making is all my normal stuff that i do at the beginning of the show i'm now putting at the end and so here we go if you enjoyed this episode head on over to the website at www.thencevertingpodcast.com and there you can listen to all my old episodes or if you have a story that you want to tell, you can contact me through the website and uh, we can start talking. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook at The NC Everything Podcast, Instagram at The underscore NC underscore everything underscore podcast and Twitter at Everything NC. But Pretty much, if you get on any of those platforms and search the uh, NC Everything podcast, as far as I know, I'm the only NC Everything podcast that pops up. I also have a Facebook page that you can follow, and just recently, I started the NC Everything podcast Facebook group, and uh, you can search that and join that. It's it's open to the public at the moment. It's not private, so you don't need to answer any questions or, or request permission to join, Nothing nothing like that. Now, some of my avid listeners might be thinking that I made that Facebook group a couple weeks ago. Um, In your time, I did make it a couple weeks ago, but at the time of this recording, I made it like three days ago. So uh, there's a little little discrepancy there, I guess. Um, As far as the Facebook page and the Facebook group, I'm just kind of winging it. I have mentioned that. I'm not sure exactly what kind of content I'm going to put on there, but um, I do want to try to keep it it interesting. I'm going to be adding... I don't know, whatever North Carolina content I can, and I'll give you a heads up about the show and what's going on. Anyway, it's just another way you can support the NC Everything podcast if you choose to do that. And the last thing is what's going on in North Carolina for this upcoming week. All right, here we go. Starting today, October 9th, is the Old Front Porch Music Festival, and that's in Oriental, North Carolina, and that runs until the 16th. Um, also today is the apple butter festival in Bakersfield, Bakersville, not Bakersfield. <laughs> That's Bakersville, North Carolina. Let's see next today. They're having the Ola Charlotte festival and that's a Hispanic heritage festival today and tomorrow in duck, North Carolina. That's out on the, uh, on the outer banks. They're having the duck jazz festival today and tomorrow in New Bern. They're having the mum festival and that's mum as in the flowers. 
today and tomorrow in Swansboro, they're having the mullet festival. And that's the fish, not the hairstyle. Although, um, I bet a, a festival about the mullet hairstyle would be awesome. Anyway, the Leaf Community Arts Festival in Black Mountain starts on the 14th, and that runs to the 17th. The Craft Fair of the Southern Highlands, um, that's in Asheville, that runs also from the 14th to the 17th. And then on October 15th through the 17th is the Carolina Balloon Festival, and that's in Statesville. And I actually forgot to mention this in my, my episode on Statesville, but um, I came through there one day and the sky was full of hot air balloons. I didn't know what was going on, and it was really beautiful. Turns out that was the, the Carolina Balloon Festival. And again, that's on October 15th through the 17th, and that's in Statesville. On October 16th, uh, there's Mush, Music, and Mutts. And that's going to be in Shelby, North Carolina. And this event is the official Fall Liver Mush Festival of North Carolina. That's what the internet says. But if you don't like liver mush, um, it says they're also going to have a, a brew fest, a chili cook-off. There's going to be music and um, other stuff going on there, so... Um, but if you do like liver mush, uh, this is probably the, the place for you. That's October 16th in Shelby. From October 16th to the 17th is the, Wo- the Wooly Worm Festival in Banner Elk. And Boo at the Ashborough Zoo, or Boo at the Zoo, that takes place at the, the Ashborough Zoo. Um, it goes from October 16th to the 24th. So uh, some of these, as you know, has, they haven't quite started yet. But they will begin before my next podcast comes out. So all these events are are within that margin. Now, one of the the two big ones I'm going to bring up is the the Carolina Renaissance Festival. Now, I've never been to any Renaissance Festival. I always kind of wanted to go, and this year might be my year. But that's going to be Saturdays and Sundays from October 2nd to November 21st. And that's in Huntersville. Now, the other big one is the North Carolina State Fair. That starts on October 14th, and it runs until the 24th. And to wrap this thing up, the last things I will mention is that the Robinson County Fair, uh, today is the last day for that. The Dixie Classic Fair, um, the last days are today and tomorrow. Today is the last day of the Lenore County Ag Fair. And the Onslow County Fair starts on the 12th, and it runs until the 16th. And that's all I have for what's going on around North Carolina. Um, I know there is a thousand more things happening this week. Um, if you know of any, email me, and I'll definitely put them on the, the Facebook page or the group. Um, if you go to any of these these events, and not trying to get political, um, it's your personal choice. But if you go to any of these events, just please be careful um, with this COVID thing and, and just mean people in general. Um, just be careful when you go out. Um, I'd hate to think that something happened to one of my listeners because I sent you to one of these events. And that is all I have for this episode. I will talk to you next time. The music in this episode comes from archesaudio.com and freepd.com.